Hello, everyone. This is Saqib. Uh, on the eve of the biggest, one of the biggest tennis matches of the year, it's the French Open final, the ladies' final tomorrow. Matt Zemek has taken time out to go over uh, some of the scenarios that could that would come out, uh, depending on which way the result goes. And uh, we can just, uh, you know, do a quick podcast and talk through it. Hey, Matt. Hey, Saqib. Let's roll. Sure, and uh, I know, like, uh, through our Tennis with an Accent uh, platform, you have written, you know, some pieces on Simona Halep, and there's always this narrative that surrounds her. Uh, but give her credit. I mean, she has shown up in a major final again, and uh, leading up to this event, her form wasn't ideal, but uh, a lot of people knew. At least there was some faith, and we saw that in bracketology. That a, lot of, uh, a lot of folks that we interact with picked Simona Halep to go deep. How surprised are you, and what do you think uh, – this uh, this achievement means right now for her? Well, you know, so many people focus on Halep not having a major title. And, you know, that's perfectly understandable. What what I don't understand with Halep is this continuing focus on her negative mental state. And, and in many ways, that, just as much as the first major title is what she's playing for on Saturday, if Halep wins that match, you know, she doesn't, she gets to own freedom from all those kinds of criticisms, which a lot of American commentators have been very quick to apply to her. I'm not surprised that she's in the final. I am surprised, I would say on a more granular level, that she receives such a horrible schedule uh, from her first match through her sixth match, her semifinal, and has able been able to get to the final in spite of those difficulties. You know, she had to play on the first Wednesday of the tournament rather than Tuesday, and that was a preventable error. The tournament organizer should have found a way with a three-day first round. You know, there, there's a Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday for the first round. Organizers should have found a way to put her on court Tuesday, but instead she had to go on Wednesday. And then uh, that, that meant that she had that the time lag or the time gap between her first match and her semifinal was just eight days. No other player had to deal with a schedule which was that compressed. And then after playing a Wednesday quarterfinal against Angie Kerber, which lasted three sets, she was put on court first in the semis, not second, and that was because American television, specifically NBC, uh, wanted the Sloan-Stevens-Madison-Keys semifinal to go on court second after the Today Show uh, in New York and the other East Coast American markets. So Halep's been really thrown around uh, like a rag doll in terms of her treatment uh, mm. at the hands of schedulers and organizers. And so the fact that she's been able to make it through all those outside challenges, not to mention a field with uh, Kerber in, in the quarters and then Muguruza in the semis, it's, it's an outstanding feat. And I'd like to think that we can give Halep credit as a legitimate world number one for being so incredibly consistent week to week on tour, making stacks of semifinals and then each of the two major finals this year, instead of um, picking apart all the ways in which she falls short. I mean, I know that she is a complicated person to evaluate, given that she, she hasn't won a major title yet at this stage of her career. But, boy, she certainly gets to the end stages of the important tournaments, and uh, that has to be acknowledged, win or lose, on Saturday. You make some very valid arguments, Matt, there, and there's a cohesive and collective arguments, uh, I must say, 
Actually, it does represent a market that may not be as big as the United States in terms of, you know, dictating, you know, code and code timings, TV rights, you know, dictate a lot of that. Uh, so you think Halep is uh, kind of in, in, in a position where, you know, Lendl used to be, and that's long time before social media came in, like a world number one or a champion that nobody really, you know, uh, cares that much about. Not in a bad way, but that's kind of the narrative that just keeps following her. Either she gets the short end of the stick or either, you know, like uh, the Shardy the Burdick match shouldn't have been on Shatri. I know every uh, every home slam likes to showcase their players, but French have enough talent, and that's the one match. I think that was an error from, you know, tournament committee, and Halep should have played earlier, and that's the match that, you know, got delayed due to bad light. So, so yeah, I mean, that's some uh, very astute uh, arguments uh, you made there. But uh, I brought Lendl in, you know, a few minutes ago in the conversation. So Lendl and Murray also lost a few finals. So what if Simona Halep loses another final tomorrow? What uh, what will be the narrative and uh, what will be her mental state? I mean, if she loses her third Roland Garros final, and mine, uh, and we'll talk Sloane Stephen because she's a very deserving other half of this final. So your thoughts if if Halep does lose tomorrow? Well, I think I think the main detail to emphasize up front, Sakib, is that if she loses the way she lost to Ostapenko a year ago at Roland Garros, you know, then she's going to catch a lot of heat. But if she loses to Stevens in in the manner that she lost to Wozniacki in the Australian Open, you know, those are going to create two very different kinds of narratives. I mean, obviously, no matter how she loses, and this is assuming if she loses, no matter how she loses, it's going to be, you know, when is she going to win the big one? When is she going to break through? That's always going to be there. But losing in the manner of, of, versus Ostapenko compared to Wozniacki, two very different ways to lose a match. Uh, that that would certainly affect the the, the, the specific slant or the severity of, of the criticism that she will receive if she doesn't come manage to lift the trophy. Sure, and the player she's going to go against is you know has has had her you know sudden rise, and uh, there was always you know uh, not many doubting the talent and the level, but coming from that injury last year, she won the U.S. Open and now she's won Miami. And we've talked about it. Uh, she sometimes is another player who plays or shows up for the big events. Sometime leading up to those events, her performance is not that stellar, but then she has these levels. And, uh, she's doing it for, you know, for the third time last seven months in US Open Miami and another big final tomorrow. How big would that be for American tennis also if, uh, Stevens is holding two of the three majors, uh, after tomorrow's final? I think the essential observation to make here, Sakib, in, in relation to a possible Stevens victory is that if Sloan does defeat Halep, what that would mean in particular is that Stevens would show an ability to win majors in Europe, not just North America. And she'd be able to win on a natural surface, clay, not just hard courts. And when you compare Stevens to the person that Halep defeated in uh, Thursday's semifinal, Muguruza, you know, Muguruza has this Stevens-like ability to drift through portions of a season but then rise up at Roland Garros and or Wimbledon. Well, Stevens is beginning to show a very similar capacity, only greater, because she can do this on hard, in hardcore tournaments, as shown at the U.S. Open. So if Stevens wins this match on Saturday, I think that it, it becomes not only reasonable, but even likely, and I know that things change quickly in tennis, but if she does beat Halep, I think it becomes more likely that Stevens is going to end up with a greater career than Muguruza, 
something which uh, 12 months ago at this time, I don't think anyone would have been prepared mm-hmm. to do. So th- that, to me, in many ways would be the story, that, that, that Stevens would be able to have a career much greater than I think a lot of us imagined. I mean, it would be obvious that her U.S. Open would no longer be seen as a one-moment-in-time event. It would be the, it would have marked retrospectively the start of a trend. You know, the, the one detail worth pointing out about the U.S. Open is that, you know, because Stevens spent so much time off during her injury, you know, she was physically fresh at a time of year, you know, the mid to late summer when a lot of pros get tired. So I think Stevens' physical freshness was a big part of her U.S. Open. But now if she does this in, in, at Roland Garros, uh, you know, after having played fairly regularly and after having won Miami, you know, th- this would be a Title I under a very different set of circumstances, and it would show so much on so many levels uh, about her staying power in the sport, and it would really mark her as uh, a, a, a particularly special champion, uh, one who could really carry the baton from Serena Williams. That's not to say that she's going to have Serena's career. No one's going to have Serena's career, but she would certainly create uh, a lot of legitimate ideas uh, and impressions that she could win, you know, certainly more major titles than Maria Sharapova has. Definitely. I mean, once in both WTA or ATP side, once you start winning the second major, that's that's such a confirmation. First major is, you know, everybody's dream to get there, and then you have to prove, you know, that's why... The second major for a lot of people like Davenport, Safin, Hewitt, all these, you know, great players. Second major was such a, you know, such a reinforcement of what they have achieved and same for Muguruza and even recently as Sharapova. So, and not just, just, and not just, yeah, and not just that socket, but to do it on a different surface. Like, for example, Petra Kvitova has two Wimbledons and that is, and you know, you do separate yourself from other Wimbledon champions when you win Wimbledon a second time, but it's still same surface. So yep. Stevens doing this on two different surfaces, that would mean even more, you know, that she can transfer her game from one distinctly uh, unique environment to another. But on that, those grounds, Magarutha is still pretty impressive what she did Wimbledon and, and Roland Garros. I know uh, that's kind of a different conversation. Maybe you sure. can revisit it, you know, in one of the preview Wimbledon shows. So let me just put you right on the spot. How do you think this match is going to turn out tomorrow? What are your predictions? And what are the X and the O's? Uh, how, how are these girls going to, what are the angles they're going to expose on each other's side or exploit and, and who's going to win this tomorrow? Okay. Well, first of all, before we get into the X's and O's, one important piece of background that I think is not being talked about as much as it needs to be. People are looking at the 5-2 advantage for Halep in the head-to-head. However, the two most recent meetings, you know, not meetings that were three, four, five years ago, but the two most recent meetings, they both came during the summer hardcourt season last year. And that was when Sloan was coming off the injury layoff. Uh, one was in Washington at the City Open, and then another meeting in Cincinnati. So at, at, in Washington, Sloan was really just kind of getting her feet wet. And after a very, very, very close first set, uh, it was clear that Sloan didn't have the stamina. She hadn't yet built back the fitness base to play a full three-set match. How it rolled through the second set. That really wasn't a verdict on Sloan's tennis. It, she was at a p- place where she was t- still trying to build back her fitness base. So I wouldn't assign much value to that match. And then in Cincinnati, if you'll recall, that was a tournament with a lot of rain delays. People, there were some, a number of players were playing two matches 
uh, on Friday uh, in, the, in the you know uh, round of 16 and quarterfinals in that tournament. It became another similar war of attrition, and uh, Stevens was not really in the best position uh, to give Hallett her, her very best shot. So I really don't think that those two recent matches in the 5-2 head-to-head mean very much. And then if you consider that most of their matches occurred, you know, multiple years ago, these really aren't the same players. I mean, not and not on Halep's side either. They have both undergone a, a lot of evolutions. So I really don't think the head-to-head plays any meaningful role in the matchup. Now to the X's and O's. Uh, our friend Tumani Cario uh, mentioned how uh, Sloan Stevens loves to inject pace, meaning that she'll take a neutral, medium pace rally and then suddenly uh, go for a little more on a shot, and that'll get a player off balance. Uh, it, you know, Stevens does not go for broke on every shot. She's actually very controlled and very measured, but she's so good at then suddenly taking a neutral rally and then adding a little bit more oomph to her shot. So it'll be it'll be up to Halep uh, to handle those injections of pace and also to handle what should be a, a much more consistent player than Muguruza, who was misfiring constantly. That that that's going to be the challenge for Halep. That Muguruza made so many errors, especially on her forehand side and especially with her cross court forehand. Halep's going to have to uh, bring a lot more balls back on Saturday. She's going to have to work a lot harder. Uh, for each and every point, and she might be up for it, uh, and, and she deserves, in fact, she deserves the trust that she will be up for it. However, she's not going to get uh, nearly as many free points from the Stevens racket. So that, that to me, sets up the initial battle. The second point is that Halep is, you know, averse to the drop shot. Uh, she doesn't like to use it, uh, even though, and even though we're on clay, and even though Stevens uh, can cover a lot of the court and sometimes sinks into a defensive position well behind the baseline. The drop shot is not something that Hallett likes to use. And I'm going to be very intrigued to see what Darren Cahill's game plan is going to be, uh, in terms of how to break down Stevens. It's, it's not going to be a particularly easy task. So in, in terms of the X and O's, I, I really think that Stevens has a slight edge. However, however, the fact that Halep has already been in a major final this year and the fact that she's overcome so many obstacles to get to this point, and also it was very easy, emotionally easy, for Sloane Stevens to, to play her friend Madison Keys. And the fact that that was the matchup in her first uh, major final, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm uncertain if that same dynamic is going to translate into a relaxed performance for Sloane uh, in this second major final. You could say that, well, she's already been in a major final, so, so she knows what, what comes with everything. And that is entirely true on a, on a, on a certain foundational level. But, uh, playing a major final in France, uh, against Halep, someone, uh, who is so naturally comfortable on clay, I'm not sure that Stevens is going to play the same nerveless kind of match, uh, that she did against Madison Keys. So I think X's and O's, slide edge to Stevens, intangibles, slide edge to Halleck. And I think what it all points down to, uh, Sakib, is a two-hour, 45-minute, three-set war. Uh, it's going to be 6-4, 7-5, 8-6 in the third, something like that. It's going to come down to a handful of points. 
But ultimately, in a, in a year when the Philadelphia Eagles have won their first Super Bowl and the Washington <laughs> Capitals won their first Stanley Cup, uh, I think that we're going to see a first-time major champion once again uh, after Caroline Wozniacki in Australia. I think Halep's going to find the resources, as she has done throughout this fortnight in Paris, and she will nip Sloane Stevens at the wire. Yeah, there you go. So if you listen to this podcast, you can just retweet this and give a pat to Matt Semek. You know, uh, he makes a, I think, very solid argument, and I kind of see the match uh, very close, but I don't think it's going to be a three-setter. I'm leaning towards Halep in very two tight sets. Halep will take the title just the same, Sakib. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Matt, thanks for doing this, and let's uh, let's talk again. Maybe uh, we can, you know, do a review show once uh, the French Open is over. Well, and Sakib, thanks for all your uh, leadership at Tennis with an Accent over these past two weeks at the French Open. And uh, we just ask our listeners that we want to be able to cover the French Open and, and the other major tournaments, and we're, we're going to cover Wimbledon even better than we have uh, the French Open. Uh, but we need your support to make it happen. Uh, so we, we need you. Uh, we need your support so that we can serve you better and give you the tennis coverage that you deserve at Tennis with an Accent. Thank you.